Well, let me ask you this. I've been thinking about something. Yeah, shoot. What Go do you it. think is... You know how the Anabaptists have rum springer? Uh-huh. What's the equivalent thing for young evangelicals? You know, at that make-or-break moment when they can leave the faith or decide to like really get into it? <laughs> it's easy, dog. Um, when you're faced with losing, with popping your cherry, with losing your virginity. I was thinking there's something else. What is it? What could it conceivably be? Are you familiar? Because that's 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 the path. That's the thing around which all Christian faith revolves. I I, I don't want to hear it from anybody that oh oh I you know I was a teenager. I believed in God. Um, you know, life was precarious, et cetera, et cetera. The I did I needed to believe that there was someone something out there in the universe. No. The only reason that anybody would believe in God as a teenager is because they're scared of fucking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're you're running from running from your sexuality. You're running from it. You're repressing. Yeah. I'm sorry, I cut you off. You ever heard of a little outing called Sea Salt? It sounds familiar. Sea Salt was like one of those um it's like a vacation Bible school, but for like teens, and then you would go to South Carolina. VBS, baby. Vacation Bible school. I think it took place maybe around Myrtle Beach or something like that. I'm not positive, though. But it was like the rite of passage for like young evangelicals. And the thing was, is you either came back so like ready to go like witness and win souls, or you came back like, fuck this shit. Extremely or horny extremely because you couldn't horny. jerk off for a week. No, well, all you, all everybody talked about when they got back from fucking uh, sea salt was how hot all the chicks were down there. <laughs> it's like, man, you would not believe it. You know, like everybody thinks like their hometown has no good looking girls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, you just yeah, think yeah. that like you're from like the only ugly town in America <laughs> that all girls everywhere else are so much hotter. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. Like, there was a town 20 minutes away from our town called Lovington. And Lovington was where all the hot chicks were at, man. Is that is that Brian Urlacher's hometown? That is Brian Urlacher's hometown. They had a cheese factory there. Amazing. Remember, they took us to go watch that cheese get made. Did those, those Lovington girls, they just hit different? They just hit different. <laughs> <laughs> they were also, like, liberal. I don't think so, actually. In... And it's for some reason, I think in high school, I had this like romanticized notion that they were enlightened, and like all the girls in my high school were just like conservative, like ex assholes. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't afraid of anything except for the big P and the V, though. That somehow the stakes were higher on that. Oh yeah, I mean, like I was getting head as like a. 16 year old but like fucking like that was off the, ta- off that was the table out of the question <laughs> I, well here's what we like to call that <clears throat> everything but everything but <laughs> that's how you would describe it to your friends yeah hey, we've, done, hey buddy. we've done everything but yeah, we've done everything but <laughs> <laughs> and this is how you, you come up with little crackpot theories about Man, I like getting ahead better than I like sex. Yeah! <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's just because you're afraid of it, one, but two, 
you never had it to compare it anything to. You just you're just making an assumption. Yeah, it, it is weird how your sexuality forms like that. Like I would, I would like, I would get on the three way with all these girls talking shit to them, having like early phone sex and stuff. And I'd be terrified to do all the acts I was describing in real life. But in your little masturbatory circles, it was all, I mean, everything, every option was open to you, man, and no consequences. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, absolutely. These are the the conditions that made us, my friend. This is what's made us uniquely qualified to rise up and lead in this moment. <laughs> you know why? Because I know I'm versatile. I know how to get it in. I know how to abstain. <laughs> this like I don't think anybody understands going four or five months without masturbating as a Christian teen has prepared us for the quarantine. That's exactly to, right. To withstand the rigors of inactivity. The conditions and social forces that culminated at the end of the 20th century informed us, made us uniquely suitable to lead in these trying times. Yeah, yeah. Because here's the, here's the reality. Here's the reality. And I think we should all be reading Marx. I think we should all be doing this. But I think also you'll never fully approximate this moment in America unless... One, you've had one of two experiences. Either you've been part of the weird American techno religion that you walk into a church and you see three ATM machines before you see a cross, or, <laughs> or, or you're one of the peoples that have been terrorized by those people. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Everybody else is just kind of fl- floating here in the ether trying to figure it out. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, where do we fall in that? I guess we are both. That is, again, that's we we embody the dialectic. That's why we are suited, uniquely suited to late, uniquely suited to these times. Yeah. Well, um. Well, so okay, so uh, speaking of the uh, insane psychos who came to economic prominence in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and who now run the world and gave us Donald Trump. We're recording this on a day of nationwide protests uh, all over the nation. Of a certain kind. (laughs) Of a certain kind. That are completely filled with these types of people. Well, I mean, they're filled with a lot of different types of people. But... April 15th will go down as perhaps the dumbest day in the late Republic. Beware, I mean, beware the Ides of April. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they'll say about this day. You're right. <laughs> it is tax day. It's the Ides of April. And it's the dumbest day so far in the late Republic's precipitous decline. Is it, is it, is it tax day? I forgot about that. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess we got we, to July now, though, right? We have to July now, but in another lifetime, in another timeline, um, I'd, I'd be I'd be starting doing my taxes here in about half an hour. <laughs> exactly. Um. 
So, so yeah, so we've got so much to cover, I don't even know where to start. Like, um, it's been a uniquely insane week, and it's only Wednesday. Where I'm sitting in eastern Kentucky, half the county is out of power. Um, in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so that means people are stuck in their homes with no electricity or hot water or, you know, anything like that. Nothing but their um, Obama phones. They're all, they, all they have is their Obama phones. Um, Tanya is one of them. Tanya does not have electricity. That's why she's not joining us today. Um, she used one of the 25,000 or I think it's more than that. I think it's like 40,000 people across eastern Kentucky without any electricity in the middle of a pandemic. Um, These are not conditions one would call optimal. Not by any stretch of the imagination, no. <laughs> and it's so weird that it's taken so long to get back online. I guess the, the, the pandemic presents challenges of its own for the crew people, but it's like, uh, I mean, it's... Everything's just magnified in Eastern Kentucky. <laughs> Those storms yeah, totally. were a week ago, you know what I mean? You were on Sunday, yeah. Yeah. Um, God, it feels like a week ago. Oh, I know, I know. Um, so, a lot of the eastern part of the state is out. Um, I think as uh, Matt Jones pointed out on Twitter, there's been literally zero press coverage of it. None. Um does nothing. I mean, you've got a you've got a literal Mad Max scenario going on right here, dude. And nothing, <laughs> nothing. I mean, the we've we've reached the point now. I mean, okay, I don't even know where to begin trying to articulate, encapsulate for future generations the weird disorienting effect that is happening right now. I'm sitting in the middle of. A region that is without electricity, um, that has just been basically written off. No one even gives a shit. No one <laughs> that even cre- that created the concept of electricity, really, for their labor. <laughs> so it's a really a sick irony. A sick irony, right? Um, during a week in which, um, during a week in which. MAGA chuds protested state capitals all across the country for not being able to buy paint and lawn fertilizer and go get their hair did. Um, During a week in which um, Bernie endorsed Biden, which I guess we saw coming, but it still didn't dull the blow of just how disorienting it was in all of this. During a week in which the Trump administration is talking even more aggressively of reopening the economy. All of this has produced this... I don't really have any other word for it or phrase for it um, other than uh, just this very vague, dark feeling like we might be about to live through some really bad times. We've said that, obviously, everybody's been saying that for years. Well, well, but. we just said that on some hyper, after watching hyper-normalization <laughs> and all that stuff, but we didn't, like, really think it was going to happen, but I mean, damn, it happened. <laughs> it's like, man, these, I think about this every time we're like, man, this shit's so dark, and, like, 
the thing that was happening in the news that day was something so mild by comparison to what's happening now. <laughs> right. I right. just turned to you and say, man, this shit is so fucking dark. <laughs> dog, this shit is so dark. Dog. Dog. Man. They're trying to fuck these teachers over in West Virginia, man. This shit is so fucking dark. Right. They're trying to... Which is a bad thing, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, you know, it's like they fought and they won, but... Right. It wasn't a, an, an extinction event. <laughs> right. Well, so, the first, first off, the coronavirus thing in and of itself is very disorienting for me. Because I've had this realization over the past few days, but it really kind of hit me last night. That, like... So let's say Trump reopens the economy on May 1st. And I mentioned this to you, I think, the other day on the phone. I may have even mentioned this on the podcast. I don't even know, because life and everything else is just blurred together. Everything so we've we'll said on this podcast, let's just wipe it real quick. We'll start fresh right here. <laughs> That's a new zero. world. That's a new world. Yeah, yeah, this is year zero on the pod. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, let's say that Trump opens the economy in two weeks. Obviously, like, we're not going to um, abide by it. Like, well, we're artisans, we're podcasters, so we don't have to. <laughs> well, that's to. because we're bohemian layabouts. But... <laughs> yeah. Exactly, right? But, like, how do you decide in, you know, in the absence of any authoritative institutions and voices... How do you decide when such a quarantine would end? It's like I was saying to you earlier today. Like, I don't trust anybody anymore. I don't trust any scientific voices or anything because it all feels like, you know, I was trying to explain this um, to last night, but like, when they decided to lock down, <laughs> trying, the to country, ex- trying to ex- mansplain it to your girlfriend. Huh? I was trying to mansplain. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wasn't explaining anything. I was trying to articulate a certain feeling I have. And the feeling I have is people running the nation, they made a strict calculus, and they sat down, they did a cost-benefit analysis and said, okay, letting this thing just run rampant through the country will cause more economic damage than shutting as much shit as down as possible. And so that's what they went with. Well, now we're in this situation where I feel like we are a month into quarantine, right? This started in early March, right? Yeah. I feel like this is the week, and it might not it might just be because of the people protesting, but I genuinely all my friends I've talked to whether they live in Austin or New York have been able to detect something similar. It feels like people are done with it. Oh I've yeah, seen, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen more people out than I've have seen in a month. All my friends that I, I've talked to that live in Austin and other big cities say the exact same thing. People are getting antagonistic. I saw Gabriel Winant uh, on Twitter said that someone rolled down their window and like did a fake sneeze at him because he was wearing a bandana in public. Like you've got these people. <laughs> you've got you've got people like. Protesting at the Capitol, um, you know, Tanya was testing, texting us earlier about Bashir's speech. You could hear people in the background saying, we want to work. We want to work. You know, that shit. Uh, Pro- 
Bryce Lamb, the star of Showtime's Gigolos, posted some interesting videos today about uh, about it. Like what? Uh, here, I'll just give you an example. I'll just give you the rundown real quick. Yeah. 2002, Nile virus is going to kill us off. I think he meant West Nile virus. <laughs> 2004, SARS virus is going to kill us all. Right. 2005, bird flu is going to kill us all. 2009, swine flu is going to kill us all. 2014, <laughs> Ebola virus is going to kill us all. 2016, Zika virus is going to kill us all. 2020, <laughs> coronavirus is going to kill us all. Wake up, people. They just want us living in fear. I'm not buying it. Please visit www.stoplookthink.com. <laughs> Oh yes, I uh, stop and, look think where where I have bylines at. And then he uh, he just uh, captioned that with hashtag scamdemic. <laughs> scamdemic. <laughs> I mean, it's created this disorienting effect where like I no longer know who to believe, and I no longer trust that there's anybody out there who knows what they're talking about or who can even reassure us in these trying times that like it's okay to come out of your house i mean you saw this thing yesterday that yeah said, it's like, like who's we'll gonna need... signal the end of this credible yeah <laughs> who's gonna yeah, exactly who's gonna signal the end yeah and so it's like this disorienting effect where i don't fucking know like this is kind of what i meant earlier like so you know belief in scientific rationale or whatever is at the end of the day just like any other faith it's faith. You it's it's honestly a lot like Catholicism. You need you need scientists sort of like priests to sort of intermediate or sort of mediate between you and the higher concept. And and uh and I've kind of like lost I, I consider myself a scientist in some ways, but I You've, um, you've lost uh, faith in the community that birthed you. Yes. <laughs> Well, it's funny because I remember I, I showed you that screenshot from this person I went to college with, this insufferable person that was like, it's like a Fox News link to something to do with Trump defunding the WHO. Yeah. And what she said, captioned that with was, I've not liked the way the WHO's acted this whole time. <laughs> and I guarantee you, I guarantee you, she had no idea a month ago what the World Health Organization was. Yeah, I don't know. So, okay, have you read yeah, but about you, this? But your response was, wait a second, is the WHO one of those organizations we should keep an eye on? <laughs> yeah, I thought like maybe. The, like, the, like the International Monetary Fund, I think. So. <laughs> right, the IMF and the World Bank and the UN. Do we need to now keep tabs on the WHO? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Who knows anymore? <laughs> yeah. There's nothing like I don't know what to believe in anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, it's a it's it's sort of a cliche to say that our our institutions have just been rotted out so you know tremendously bad. But like it's 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 a cliche for a reason. Yeah, yeah, and well, and you're feeling it pretty acutely. Like again, I was trying to articulate this last night, but like there is a very specific like macabre humor in the fact that. We are supposed to rely on a government to keep us safe, 
that has been specifically hollowed out to not keep us safe. To not keep it's us like, safe, yeah. When you've got people like Ben Carson, Betsy DeVos, and Rick Perry, I know he's gone now. And now, and, and now, and now Vince McMahon. <laughs> Who else is leading in the reopening task force? Vince McMahon, Robert Kraft. Uh, I mean, it's a Jer- it's a veritable who's who of billionaires that have either been implicated in sex crimes or are like glorified carnival barkers. <laughs> I mean, like, and I think in that context, so on that side, like, okay, so yeah, so you know you can't trust anything that comes out of those people's mouths. You know that, like, they are specifically set up to hurt us. Yeah. (laughs) That was their, I mean, if you could just rewind the tape, like, back to 2017 when Trump was staffing all these agencies, he was staffing them with people who could intentionally dismantle them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's like, okay, well, the government the government is not only not helping us, the government literally exists to hurt us. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah it was like, Rick, was Rick Perry was over, like, nukes or something? For a, <laughs> energy, yeah. Energy, yeah, for a while. Well, and, and so the whole thing has just either been intentionally staffed to dismantle it or not staffed at all, and it's just falling apart at the seams. Yeah. Um, and, uh... I saw this story of, you know, basically global leaders just really pissed off at Trump for talking about this hard, just being obsessed with this hard May 1st opening of the economy. But he's pushing for it, man. I, I saw a tweet or someone sent me a tweet that was like a, um, that said like people around Trump, I've gotten good word that people around Trump are convinced that he is dead set on reopening on May 1st, so... I don't know. Um, so you've got that on that side. And then on the other side, you've got Nancy Pelosi showing off her ice cream collection. <laughs> they retreated. Uh, and, um... Third. And, and Hillary Clinton Third, saying... She has, she's got fucking Jenny's ice cream by the pound, which is like $10 for a fucking pint. Right, and she's right. got two huge freezers filled with it. <laughs> like, why did we ever get ourselves in a position where we not only gave these? Well, we didn't really give them the reins. I mean, we were disadvantaged from the start. But why do we ma- keep maintaining a posture that lets these people walk out of their houses feeling safe? I don't, dude. I mean. You yeah you've got so yeah you've got that person showing off her ice cream collection Hillary Clinton saying well I know what we need we just need to open the dang healthcare exchanges and in that context you know in the in that context I'm losing it man dude oh oh you you want to go even further okay Jeff Bezos okay What's Jeff done God let's, damn let's go it. let's go even further Jeff Bezos has uh. His fortune has grown by $24 billion amid the pandemic. <laughs> so in the last month, essentially, yes. this guy's made $24 billion more dollars. Dog, you've got rich people escaping to Jackson Hole. I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to say that we that I'm not going to put parody on it. I'm not going to say I'm joking. 
I don't give a fuck if the government shows up at my house. I know they won't. But we literally have to murder these people for the survival of the human species. Of, the, of, of our species. <laughs> it's not even It's not even like a funny ha-ha joke. It's not even like a, oh, they've, you know, let's guillotine them or they, they hurt us and all this. It's like, no. No, 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 we're no, 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 no. We're going to yeah. have to get firearms like adults. <laughs> Hey, hop like on adults. the back. Of, hey, hop on the back of a of a. For style points, you get on a seventy four panhead and get two sawed offs. It, but anyway, however you choose to do it, we have to systematically murder all these people. It's the only yes. way forward. <laughs> yes, and I'm not. Again, I'm not saying this is like an edge lord thing. I'm not. I'm saying no. this strictly scientifically, objectively. Human civilization is at the crisis point where we have to decide. <laughs> You don't need to read three volumes of Capital by Marx. You should, but you don't need to. You don't need to read hundreds, two hundred years of theory, and you know, uh, you know, all these uh, post-structural. Uh, none of that. All you need to know is that human civilization is on a collision course with capitalism. <laughs> And we cannot. And we have keep... to present a challenge. Yes, we. In the streets, in to. the streets. <laughs> like, human civilization will not survive this. I mean, you know, you know, I guess you could be re listening to this and saying, well, you know, you guys are talking about something different. Like, all these things are, are you know, coronavirus is a, a disease. Diseases have existed before capitalism. Hey, 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 hey. I'm not saying get within six feet of them. I'm just saying <laughs> fucking shoot them. <laughs> well, we are now truly at the point where, um, I mean, it's just fascinating to me that uh, the people who own F-350s and 80 different types of guns and are whining about not being able to get lawn fertilizer. That's what I was going to say when you brought that up, dude. It's amazing to me, all these people that have prepared for the fucking, for fucking Armageddon and prepared for this big fucking joust with the federal government are now <laughs> proven to be the biggest <laughs> bunch of fucking pussies that ever existed. Yeah, well, and, and now, okay, so now that Bernie's off the stage... I could just go ahead and tell you this. Those people are your fucking enemies. It's not just the millionaires and the billionaires. It's those fucking piece of shit, petty bourgeois, bourgeois small business owners who literally want you to die. Yeah. They want you to fucking die. They literally, they literally want you to be cannon fodder to facilitate their upward mobility. <laughs> to facilitate exactly. their rise into that club with the Fortune 500 boys that they will never get to. Yeah. But you are thoroughly convinced they will. Exactly. You have your enemy now. It's not It doesn't even have to be abstract millionaires and billionaires. We will wet our palate off of these pieces of shit first. You always need an appetizer. Never go into a, a, a delicious meal without an appetizer. We're going to fucking gorge ourselves on this appetizer. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck these assholes. Yeah. Like, I cannot begin to articulate how much I hate them. Yeah. Just fucking protesting outside of state capitals open our abortions are not essential open our businesses we want to work like bitch if you want to work you're the most fucking cucked piece of shit you know <laughs> what we should lived. do you know since they have these fantasies about like uh 
fucking Planned Parenthood or whoever the fuck ever having these baby parts, we need to like get those aborted fetuses and shower these motherfuckers with them. <laughs> like I talk, we gotta do some deviant shit. You know what I mean to make a point. You know how like Vlad the Impaler like impaled. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we, I, I. We need I our. We need our thing. We need our thing. <laughs> like the, the, Deb, Tom the Deb baby shower. So you know that's my calling card. I I just put the, the blood of aborted fetuses on my enemies, the petty bouge Republican small business something, <laughs> or something, or something. It doesn't have to be that grotesque. Just something. I don't know, man. I'm just so fucking like. I'm just so not sure what to do anymore. Like, um, did you watch the Obama endorsement of Biden? I got through about two minutes of it, and then I watched the the part where he talked about Bernie Sanders because somebody posted it, but I didn't watch the whole twelve minute clip. I couldn't, I couldn't get there. Oh, dog! It made me, it made me very sick to my stomach. It was very fucking hard to watch. Yeah, well, what's it's your bad. Take away from it. Well, my takeaway is that. Um, I don't. I, before I talk about this, uh, I just want to issue a preamble and say the Bernie thing, it's water under the bridge, no use crying over spilled milk, but my man definitely gifted them on a silver platter um, the end of, well, at least in this election cycle. The end of a mass politics that was oriented around class. Because the way they cynically appropriated it in the way they, you know, the way that Obama's talked about it and, you know, Biden, you see them saying, not me, us now and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The way it's been cynically appropriated by them is just, again, that's why it made me feel sick to my stomach. It's just like, this is bleak, man. Like, you know, and, and and I'm, you know, I'm not disparaging bernie i'm not one of these people that's like you know i'm not like uh i'm not gonna like yeah i'm not gonna get on my high horse i don't think bernie's a traitor i think he's a dumbass but i don't think he's a traitor i'm not gonna get on my i I don't think you you wipe the guys uh every good thing he's done by making a misstep here but it is a costly misstep yeah yeah it's pretty bad i mean if you want my candid thoughts on it um it's I think it's bad on a like a historical level because you know what it does is it 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 signifies a closing off of, of political horizons yeah. in many ways. Yeah, it it's well, it what it what it yeah, you're right. And what it says is that like the way forward we're in an acceleration moment, right? Like we're talking about political political expedience for the left. We don't we don't really have the time to vote for Joe Biden, who still said today he supports the Hyde Amendment and all this kind of shit. We don't have. Oh my God! Yeah, I meant to talk about that. Yeah. We we don't have that kind of time. So right now it's like if if Obama's saying accelerate the end game, then you know what we need to be doing accelerating the end game. <laughs> <clears throat> well, you know, I mean. Especially in the context of like Hillary's remarks and Pelosi's remarks and like uh, all all this, like Bernie's, you know, endorsement essentially sends the signal to the working class that liberation can really only be achieved through working with the establishment. It's a very dangerous signal to be sending at this time. 
Um, well, you just have no bargaining chip now. You know what I'm saying? Right. It, like it, maybe it, maybe at a certain point that had I mean some credence to that idea. Maybe in a more a less dire circumstances. See, like now what they're saying is the circumstances are so dire that we can't. We have to be incrementalists about it. Right. <laughs> but see, I see. I see the. You're exactly right. I see the exact opposite. It's true. I said we You're can't. Exactly afford, right. We can't afford to sort of like just, like just you know, sort of pussyfoot straight to the wood chipper. Well, the the really unfortunate thing about electoral politics in this country, at least at the presidential level, but I mean it's true at all levels. Um, you know, and, and in fact, actually, now that I say this, I'm remembering like AOC. Who was the guy that she? unseated was it crowley crowley joe yeah. crowley was it peter him? crowley joe crowley um uh, dick nixon she, in a debate <laughs> peter north i don't know <laughs> in a debate against him he asked her like um would you endorse me if i was to beat you in the primary and she said you know, I'd have to go back to my constituents about that. Like, I can't decide that. I'd have to go back to my constituents. And, you know, and, like, I've got a lot of problems with AOC, but that's the exact right answer. And the fact that there's no dialogue between us and Bernie, that the fact that there's just, like, none, just zero. Here, yeah, I mean, it, it, it says a lot yeah, of things. It, it, yeah, you're, you know, you're exactly right. It's like... Um, um, yeah, it says, it's, it's like... No, just do what I say, and this is like what's like. This is your direct. These are your marching orders now. Right. You know what I mean in a right. sense. And you know, he's got the platform, whatever. But it's like you know, it's it's not it's not good. Well, I mean, the fact that like um, there is this disconnect, I guess, between us and him. It kind of just shows you that we read a lot of things into him that weren't there. Granted, you know, I was never under the illusion that. Well, I guess maybe I was. I was kind of under the illusion that maybe he would understand the historical conditions, the uh, historical unprecedentedness, I guess, of our situation, all the things that have changed between 2016 and now, and say, well, fuck it. I'm, you know, I may have said I'm going to endorse the nominee, but fuck it. Like, it's too fucking, it's too dire now. The stakes are too high. And maybe, he, like, because he's got agency here. It was a conscious choice he made. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I'm not like it's 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 stupid to get hung up on it because it's spilled milk, but but honestly though, if he was a uh, the historical figure that I guess we're being told he is, then he would have been able to see that like desperate times call for desperate measures, and um, endorsing Biden was like a world historical <laughs> error. <clears throat> he was bad. It was it wasn't good. Yeah, not good, folks. Yeah. Yeah, this is like, um, yeah, these are. <laughs> well, what it do, what it, to be okay? If you really want me to get cynical, if you really want me to get cynical, go for it, man. What, what it what it does is it really just shows you that there's no left. There's no left. It's like there's if there was a left, he would be answerable to it, but there's not, so he's not. Like, what we mean by left is, like, what we were talking about the other day. There is a pre-tailored subculture of consumers 
who buy leftist products like podcasts and books. <laughs> like, there's no fucking left movement. Yeah, well, I mean, that's too, it's like, I mean, granted, you know, we, we traffic in that world too, so we're hypocritical when we say that, but the thing we recognize too, and, what, and it's kind of what we were joking about with our dumbass episode we did last Sunday, was this idea that, like, we've seen this before. You know what I mean? But let me tell yeah. you the difference. The Christian right that I was a part of as a young person is infinitely better at politics than we are. Let yeah. me tell you, dude, I can remember, and I didn't even think of it in these terms then because like, my family had been social democrats and we just didn't really move off that. But I can remember so many people. I can remember a friend, a friend of mine, Sam, in high school went to this place called The Ramp, I think it was called. Did you ever hear about this, The Ramp? I don't think so, no. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I think it's kind of one of those things like sea salt, like I was joking about when we opened up, like kind of one of those like sort of Christian summer campy things. And they went, and they came back, and, you know, they had that sort of, you know, uh, sort of like conversion experience where, you know, the church turns the AC real high, and you get a chill, and you think that's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> You go up there and you recommit and you leave on fire for God and ready to go proselytize and all that kind of stuff. But he came back. We were lifeguards at the swimming pool that summer we worked at back home. And he came back and I remember having conversations with him. And I remember him saying to me, well, let me tell you one thing I learned when I was there at the ramp or whatever. He said, did you know that when Justice Samuel Alito was named to the United States Supreme Court, that there was there was like all these people from the ramp that were out protesting abortion because like they were all out doing like the like the dead out you know like we would do for like police shootings or something but they were doing it for like the babies the the abortions or whatever right and he said we were all out there man protesting in DC and we all had the red tape over our mouths and we were acting dead and like the police were coming saying stuff to us and all this. And he said, while we were out there, man, you'll never believe what happened. <laughs> he said, did you know that the, the Supreme Court chambers, the building, I don't know, where does the Supreme Court meet? I guess they call that the Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Whatever the, whatever the <laughs> physical building is called. He said, right across whatever the i don't know if it's the river or the road or whatever he said right across from there though they were building the u.s bank building at the same time and you know what it you know what it looked like he said it was built in the shape of an arrow like they were saying that that sam alito's appointment to the supreme court coincided with this building that was shaped like an arrow pointed at the supreme court and they took that as a divine sign that Sam Alito's appointment was going to end abortion. Now, of course, <laughs> any rational adult here understands that, like, if if Bush, too, wanted to end abortion, he had a mandate. He had the Supreme Court. He had Congress. He had, he had the executive seat. They could have ended abortion if they wanted to, but they didn't want right. to do that. They, they have to keep that football, right? Right. And, but, like, like, we have, like, I think we've dismissed sort of the culture war stuff as like passe or something for a different time. 
and sort of gotten ahead of ourselves. But man, there's so much like damage to undo from that shit. And yeah, and me and you are only a handful of the people I know that ever got out of that shit, man. Even if like you're not diehard into it, your politics still lay there. And I don't know, man. It's just like I don't know if like. <laughs> I didn't say all that to say, like, we should in, start indoctrinating our kids in the same ways, but, like, we should start indoctrinating our kids in the same ways. <laughs> like, we should teach them that, like, we should burn down U.S. bank buildings when they, once they come up. That we should murder people like Sam Alito once they start rising to power. That kind of stuff. Like, we have to <laughs> constantly... Be fighting warfare with these people. And it's like, you know, I know what you say to this. Like, Tom, that's edgelord bullshit, and you're not going to do anything, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, look, nobody thinks that stuff is preferable, okay? Like, I, I want to sit on my fucking fat ass and eat mango sorbet all day and drink my diet sunkissed and watch fucking TV shows, but we might not have a choice here soon. You know what I'm saying? I don't think we're, yeah, I don't think we're going to have a choice here soon. <clears throat> I think that if you look back at the history of global capitalism, <laughs> what you generally find is that any time a global hegemon is declining, a large-scale global interstate conflict generally breaks out. Yeah. And um, and so we may not have a, a choice. Like, I know, I mean, granted... You could be listening to this and being like, these guys have completely lost it. They've been stuck inside and have just been reading books and reading news and are completely detached from reality and they don't, you know, they're just paranoid. Let me, tell, let me tell you, my friend. Let me tell you, my friend. I'm like fucking, uh, what's his name from Network? <laughs> Howard Beale? Howard Beale, the prophet at the end of the century. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, how I feel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because um you know, I'm I'm not saying that like any of these things will happen. Like, you know, the thing about history is that none of it is inevitable. But that's kind of what I mean when I point out this thing about Bernie. It's not inevitable that he endorsed Biden. Everybody says, "Oh, well you're a dumbass if you thought that he was going to do anything different." Well, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's inevitable. He has agency. Would I have taken that deal? I may have. I don't know. Yeah, I'd make that deal. But I, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, more but, like true uh, I've been true down. <laughs> but I mean, because you know, but in in Bernie's mind, just to return back to this for a second, I don't, I, I don't want to spend much more time on it. But in Bernie's mind, that's probably his. The, the way that he sees it, it's probably the best way to preserve what momentum he had built. It's an incredibly short-sighted and um, Pollyannish view of American politics, but he's not a very cynical guy. And like I've said before, he's an honest broker of our aspirations and needs and, and everything else. But if we're talking about how history is made, it really does come down to decisions like that. You really have to be bold... And sort of um, understand what's at stake, understand what is and what isn't possible. I don't, I don't know what the alternative would have been, though. I don't know how he would have been able to say, "No, I'm not endorsing Biden," because you know that's the thing about this Bernie or Bust stuff. 
that is all going to go away in a week or two. Like, there is no burn your bust anymore. Like, you know, there's nothing to put that energy into. It was fun for us all to say on Twitter for uh, a few weeks. Well, but and, it's not... and the thing is, too, if Bernie would have handled that differently, if he would have refused to endorse Biden, which I think would have been, like, the bare minimum acceptable choice in this. You know what I'm saying? Like, not even not acceptable. I mean, like, I understand from Bernie's worldview, and he's not giving us anything that wasn't in the brochure by endorsing Biden. But, like, in my mind, something to galvanize this movement towards some sort of collective action, I think, like, like what he should have done was just realize these people hate, hate him, hate even his modest proposal for reform, and should have just said, well, all right, well figure it out, you know, and not endorsed him. Then Ber- yeah. Bernie or Buss could have could have had a chance to thrive, or at least have been some sort of meaningful intervention. Been, been in something, American... yeah. It would have been. It wouldn't have yeah. been an insignificant thing. It would have left them on skates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, don't you feel there's the, there's weird things that happen, man. There's weird things that happen psychically in this country. It's just it's it's one thing, and granted, I can concede up front. I could be losing my goddamn mind. <laughs> but there are there are just winds of change that shift, and I can just see this great falling away to voting for Biden. I can see this great falling away to telling like women nobody really gives a fuck about your safety, you know, t- tacitly anyway. You know what I mean? They'll pay lip service to it all day long, but tacitly, what they're saying is that. Well, that's what I don't understand about all this. It's like, on one hand, I totally understand why bernie did that but on the other hand it's like do you really are you really so naive to think that a guy who supports the hyde amendment is going to embrace any of your policies like i mean again i'm not a i i admit that i am a loser 32 year old who lives in a cabin in the woods listen there's nothing you can say about us that we don't say about ourselves and can say (laughs) yes i know we're bloviating assholes and we're Second rate intellects and et cetera, et cetera. We know this. We know this. It's like they're like Eminem and Eight Mile in that last battle, you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Tell us something we don't know about ourselves. Right. But having said that, I kind of feel like just common sense would tell you, like if the guy who believes everything that you don't believe is telling you, Oh sure, buddy, yeah, we'll 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 do those things, yeah. Like, what kind of rube would believe that? (laughs) And I know, again, this is an incredibly reactionary country, a very right-wing country. I'll say this. I don't don't think it's, like, rubish of Bernie. What I think Bernie thinks he's doing is bringing our ideas into the mainstream. Yes, that's a good point. By, like, not doing what we're doing, like, you know, showing our ass and saying we're going to, like, murder Sam Alito and Nancy Pelosi (laughs) and whoever else. And... You know, I, I think part of his being an honest broker is 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 that like I, that's what I think is he's hoping to achieve by this. And the thing is, on a long enough timeline, there might be a little bit of credence to that, but we don't have a long enough timeline. <laughs> that's well, that's the thing. I don't even know if on a long enough timeline it real it will bear fruits. I'm a kind of of the opinion that he kind of took those policies and plans to the graveyard by taking them to show fight. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Dude, this is this is a man that didn't know his sister from his wife a month ago. You think he's going to like parse out the finer points of like fucking free college for all and all that shit? No. Yeah, no, exactly. Like it's very cynically motivated. It's very obviously cynical. You can even see it in the way that they used Obama to broker it and to say that like if I was running uh if I was running again, I wouldn't run the same campaign I ran in 2008. Uh these are well, different times and they require progressive ideas. Well, I I would say to that, I would say you mean 2012? Like 2008 Obama was a total like I mean like I I don't know, you'd have to go back and look at it now. I mean, I I Probably wasn't as astute. Well, still not astute, but, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I, I, I think, like 2008. You know, he ran on closing Guantanamo and all this stuff. He was saying the right things then. Yeah. For that time, what he's, what he's saying, and this is what is really cynical about it. What he's saying is he acknowledges that the times are incredibly dire, and that. And that everybody is a little scared and not sure what to do. The economy's crashing. You would think that you would need some sort of revival of FDR programs or whatever. What he's saying is he acknowledges all that, but it, it's ultimately the Warren thing. It's all, uh, you know when you think about it, it is ultimately the Warren thing recreated. It's just like oh, we acknowledge that deep changes need to be made, but we're not gonna do them. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. We're not actually going to do them, but we do need your vote. So we're not going to commit ourselves too thoroughly to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just don't. I think it's bad. I think it's a bad move for Bernie. Again, I don't. It, it's kind of pointless to try to dissect it and say shoulda, coulda, woulda, but it's it's honestly a really bad move because once you put your ball in their court, like there's no fucking way. Just gonna fucking flatten it with a knife. Yeah, man. I, I, well, it's well, it's greater for. Well, here's the other thing too. It's just the it's greater forces than just even Joe Biden and Barack Obama. You know what I'm saying? Like, like who? Well, like I mean, like, like it, the buck doesn't stop with those guys. Like this whole thing is not their project. You know what I mean? They're just they're just the mouthpieces and and foot soldiers of this project. You know what I mean? Like, just the craven, like, charismatic jackals that don't care to carry water for, you know, again, a boilerplate point, but, like, the people that really control this country. Right, right, right. Or the world, by extension. But doesn't it kind of give you, I mean, again, I think all of this has been swirling around in my mind, like, the uncertainty of the coronavirus thing, the lack of any authoritative science, uh, scientific figures you know the the mega people protesting this dropped like a bomb right in the middle of all that and basically just said to me that like for the foreseeable future we are whether whether anybody wants to acknowledge it or not <laughs> and this is this is what happened any build-up hope that we had that was just going to be deferred for a few years till bernie can get an office or whatever all that was stripped from us, and it's unclear if we'll ever have that again. <laughs> right. In in ways that that we can um comprehend and understand. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's like we were talking about with like electoral politics or whatever. It's like this is the way most people relate to politics, 
And that's why I think it was so palpable to us for when, like, you know, Bernie came out of the gates and he was polled at 2%, and then he built this movement, and he was, like, there right up until the end both times, you know? And I felt like we just thought, like, if we just keep pushing a little bit, if we do this, if we can out-organize them, if we can do this and that and the third. But what we realized is, like, toward those ends, that stuff doesn't avail much because they that, like... They didn't out-organize us. You know what I mean? And I mean, for all the like, oh, well, we didn't appeal to this voters, this voting group. We didn't get the votes. We didn't. I agree with you. I, I'm with you on that. But they didn't get them either. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> they didn't even open a goddamn field office in a lot of these states. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> no, in a different time, th- this is honestly the most bizarre thing about that o- Obama endorsement is that oh, that video was almost it was basically Obama confessing that if America were different in a different time they would elect a guy like Bernie but America's too far gone now so we got to go with Joe got to go yeah 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 it was like it was it was a sneak diss <laughs> oh we're so fucked well, there was a time there was a time when Bernie Sanders. Um, there was a time when Bernie Sanders he uh, he could yeah. have he could have engendered some hope. That There's, time, yeah. that time, <laughs> that time was, was 1938. <laughs> Hell, even 2008. That time was 12 years ago, and I squandered it because um, I'm a huge fucking dumbass too. I could have done it. I could have. I had a mandate. <laughs> Instead, I thought it more important to do. Cash for clunkers. <laughs> I had to ban clove cigarettes. Get what I wanted. <laughs> and that's just how you do politics, folks. <laughs> so now, what we're left with is uh, you have to commit to peonage to get an education. <laughs> well, the, the craziest thing, <clears throat> I cannot stop coming back to the quote, you don't have to do this, Joe. You don't have to do this. I can't keep coming. I can't stop coming back to that. And the reason why is because it tacitly acknowledges that they are not confident that Biden can win. Oh, they're shooting from the hip, my man. <laughs> they're shooting from the. You may take is the other thing too is they they know they're in the death throes. This is a, this is a desperation heave. This is when you bring fucking Doug Flutie off the bench or something just to <laughs> slink like the the grizzled vet that you know that you know. It's well past their prime, but can still get 15 on any given night and maybe lift you. <laughs> but, man, goddamn, those knees look super fucking creaky. <laughs> <laughs> That's just bone on bone. There's no cartilage there. Well, it, 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 it hints at some sort of underlying dynamic. And, again, this is why I think that Bernie's endorsing Biden was a huge error because the, this is who the Democratic establishment is going for and they're not even confident that they can do it. And so the fact that Bernie sided with them in this, because, you know, make no mistake, that's what he was doing. Um, again, I don't think that makes him a traitor. I just think that he was trying to advance. I mean, like, I, I can't, I always think about, like, what Max Elbaum said about Jesse Jackson, because really the fascinating thing about all this is it really mirrors in many ways what happened with the Rainbow Coalition and Jesse Jackson. And, you know, and he always said, like, I don't think Jesse Jackson betrayed us. I just think that he made a choice. He saw, by folding back into the Democratic Party, uh, an opportunity to further his own agenda, 
Well, we've had two examples in the last 35 years, <laughs> 40 years. Of that not of working. That, of that not working. Actually, four, because Jesse Jackson ran twice and Bernie ran twice. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we could confidently say we should not be doing that anymore. We did learn a lot about the contradictions of American society and um, more specifically where it's heading right now. But um, but when you really watch the way these people like try to rationalize this, especially that Biden, that Obama video, it's dark, man. And um, and they all seem to realize it, too. Again, it they it seems to occur to Obama and probably Tom Perez and all the rest of them that this is politics now. This is what the political economy looks like of a system in free fall. And they just can't keep up. And it's scary that we came so close. It's not the thing about Bernie isn't that we came so close to winning. It's scary that we came so close to making him realize what was at stake and that he could exploit this opportunity to carve out maybe some sort of new political vision. And maybe, by, and maybe we didn't make the strong enough case or what? Well, I think it's not – I don't even think it's that. I just think it's the structural features of electoral politics. I think that they – and especially within the Democratic Party, I think it necessitates this disconnect between leaders and rank and file. And um, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure the people around him made the case. I don't know, though. I have no idea. Um Maybe they maybe they didn't understand the stakes either. Maybe they didn't understand what was happening either. But, <clears throat> but now we're all going to suffer for it, and we're probably all going to die. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> Man, this is going to sound extremely dark, and I don't say this to bring anybody down at all. And it just could be the circumstances in my life or anything. This is the first time I've ever been alive where I have like a diminished fear of death. <laughs> and this is, I'm talking about, this is a brain that I have inside my skull that has been racked with anxiety and fears about exactly that thing since as long as I can remember. From being afraid that like somebody was going to like kidnap me and throw me in the back of their trunk during the stranger danger era of the early 90s all the way up to, <laughs> you know, the panic attacks of your 20s and whatever and now it's like now it's like i don't like that though like i need something to tie my hope to and i don't know i i welcome that if anybody knows what what that could possibly be but <laughs> well it's interesting because i almost had an opposite it's so fascinating to go back and read your journals if you if you are a journaling person I encourage you to go back and read your journal entries from the last two months. I think the I think the the <laughs> correct thing is person of journals. <laughs> person of letters, person, person of journals. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Because you will notice an incredible. It's like the stock market. The swings are insane. Because when this when this Bernie stuff really started popping off, like when we thought we had a chance back in February, had a chance was, as ass. We said we're going to win forty seven out of fifty primaries. <laughs> thought we had it in the bag. When you go back and read that, like I was like, as as a person who uh, trigger warning, suicidally ideates probably about a, a million times a day. 
I was feeling positively great. I was like, life has purpose now. Life has meaning. Like, you know, you like I I mean like I felt like um that Adam Curtis Russell Brand uh you know podcast about like you know if you put your if you put yourself into something bigger than yourself if you allow yourself to dissolve into something bigger if you give up a part of yourself yeah um then you can overcome a lot of your uh you know depression and, and addiction and all of this and that's what i was feeling back in february it's like i've done it i've finally done it and then by Bernie just fucking endorsing Biden, I'm like, God fucking. That's damn the it, that's dude. the thing too. That's the thing I did. That's the thing I did too, dude. Is I hitched my hope wagon to that. Like, it, it and even if he wasn't gonna win, okay, and even if he wasn't gonna win, I attached my hope wagon to the idea that he was gonna make some grand gesture that was gonna energize us. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what that's that was more realistically what I thought was gonna happen. I was I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. I was not prepared for this to go right back to the cynical, fucked up, no alternatives world we lived in, in the interregnum between like 2016, before 2016 and after 2016. You know what I mean? Where like, oh shit. Like, you know, I really thought like, oh, he'll understand now that so much has changed, that the contradictions can't be resolved anymore, and that he will carve out maybe something unique and et cetera. We could all plug into it, but but no. Nah, it's just full speed into the sun now. <laughs> Fuck it. Well, what can we do though? What can we do to to? <laughs> I almost said a word slip. Said hasten that. <laughs> <laughs> How can we die faster? No, nah, I mean, what can? Well, I didn't mean that. So, what can we do to curb that? I think it's an open question that we need to meditate on. And and granted, you know, when we're here saying all this stuff, we're mostly saying it for your amusement, but. You know, there's, <laughs> right, there's, right, right. There's, there's also some some real shit to it that's just hard. I mean, it's just so disappointing and so um, just takes the wind out of your sails, man. I don't know what else to say about it, but it's it's I, this is this is uh, I'm scared because I've never felt more hopeless, but more at peace with hopelessness. If that makes sense, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Well, what it is is it's a realization that, like, perhaps – I think this is why I have been so into that Arigi book, The Long 20th Century. I think it's why I've been so into it because in many ways, like Marx itself, like the Bible, <laughs> like Muhammadar um, Mu- uh, – Gaddafi's Green Book. <laughs> um, like Don Blankenship's uh, Prison Manifesto. <laughs> exactly. All the great texts of our, you know, of, <laughs> that we've produced over centuries. Exactly. Like those texts, it kind of hints at there is a large, there are larger forces at work that you're just kind of blown around by. You know what I mean, this, and that maybe at the end Ned of the day, Beatty's there's speech <laughs> network. To what? It's this Ned Beatty oh, yeah. speech and network. <laughs> yeah, the Ned Beatty speech and network. Like you will atone. <laughs> yeah, like that you're nothing essentially, and that there are larger forces that at the end of the day, there's really nothing you can do about them. And um, and I know that's not what Marx is actually saying. That's that's actually the opposite of what Marx is saying. Right. Um, but. It is kind of comforting, going back to what you were saying, that it's 
yeah comforting it's kind of comforting to realize that like all the organizing and work that we've done in the last oh i don't know four to six to ten years um it's not that it was for naught it might just be that there are larger forces at work that we just can't compete with <laughs> i you should cut that i'm not going to i probably should not be taking people down that road because no, I mean, we don't, we don't want to inspire apathy or inaction, but what we have to do is we have to figure out what it is within our... What, you know, it's like anything you've, you ever try to do in life, there's, there's a way you have to go about doing it. It's like, you know what I'm saying? There's a hacky way to do something, and then there's like the way that's like, you know, the professional <laughs> way, for lack of a better term, to do something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know what you're saying. Like yeah. there's there's hurdles you have to jump that like people that <clears throat> never make it don't know how to jump those hurdles or whatever. You know what I'm right. saying? I mean this is like I mean this is like really kind of sn- snowballing in with like some rise or grind theory I had in 2009, but follow <laughs> me. But there's like there's always the secret sauce of how something gets done and that's like the hallmark of like you know, getting it done versus not getting it done. Well, you—it's almost like you realize the fa- to me the most fascinating takeaway from the Bernie campaign was that we got to see in real time, we got to witness one of those world historical moments. It was squandered. Make no mistake, it should be written down in the history books that Bernie squandered it. But we, but you know, <laughs> hang that around no bastard's neck. <laughs> but we did get to see. Yes, we, it allowed us to see something that you very rarely get to see: that all the social forces and contingencies and et cetera come together to present you with a moment. That moment was the second, first or second week of March, when everything had been upended. Sports had just been canceled. Work and everything else had just been canceled. They had held a pan- a primary in the middle of a pandemic. The veil fell off of all th- three or four hundred years of all of Western civilization's philosophical underpinnings fell away within a matter of days. Man. There is no democracy. There's no scientific rationality to anything. Like it was all dissolved right in front of our eyes. And Bernie had the chance. And uh, this is putting it. This is putting a lot on one guy. This is putting a lot on one guy, and this is why he ultimately squandered it. Because no one in their right minds would be able to really realize this moment when it came, except me, of course. But um, that's because I <laughs> am. Uh, I have a level I'm, of I'm, analysis to take note of. Because <laughs> I'm a solipsist. I'm a narcissist, and I believe that I'm the only person that exists in the universe. Um. But yeah, no, like we had that moment where all the for- sort of like so forces and contingencies presented us with a moment that said, well, you can take history by the hand. You can actually seize history. And again, it was squandered. And uh, and now we're going to live with the consequences. Um, and again, it's really absurd to put it all on that guy, because ultimately what I'm saying is that the forces, pres- the, the sort of structural features of the system and, and the social forces and et cetera, created a situation where it would have been impossible for him to realize that. You know? 
Yeah. Like he's been fucking Congress for thirty fucking years. There's zero. There's zero connection between him. I and mean, he's never had a real job. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's really kind of farcical in hindsight, like the whole not me us thing. When like there's zero connection between the whole us part and him. Yeah, but, yeah, because because ultimately the imprescription lies with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right, and that's what electoral politics is. And again, I mean, we should have known that going in. I'm sure we probably mentioned it like on episode seventy eight or some bullshit when we were fucking going in on ultra leftist politics or whatever. Like, I'm sure that was probably something that occurred to us a long ass time ago. But we have the memories of goldfish, <laughs> and we also we also hedge our bets. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It's like we're the guys that uh, we shoot a hole in the side of the bar and then go paint the bulls over where we shot the <laughs> shot the hole in it. Exactly, because we're hacks. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, I don't know, but you know, I mean, I, I, this is a lot of doomerism, but it's really not. It's just saying that like history's fucking nuts, man. And, uh... <laughs> it's fucking insane, and it and it, <laughs> it escalated quickly. <laughs> It got away from us, as you yeah, say. It kind of got away from us a little bit. <laughs> a lot of it. Uh, there's, there's nothing you can do, really. I don't know. I mean, I don't trust anybody who's... I don't trust anybody whose analysis has not changed one iota from a year ago to now. <laughs> you know? like, And you shouldn't either. I, take that what you will. I mean, I'm not going to tell you which organization to join and which organization not to join because I don't... I'm not involved with that kind of... My politics, like, at the activist level is only at a strictly very local level, you know? Like, yeah, no. I'm not getting involved with any national organization anytime yeah, soon. It's just because we just can't, you know, in places like where we live. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we can in a few months, but right now it's like, I've got to make sense of the situation first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got a lot of legwork today. Yeah. I mean, if you really want concrete actions right now, I don't know. Read Marx. I don't, you know what I mean? It's it's funny. He's a funny guy. <laughs> a little long-winded at points, but yeah. A little long-winded at points. I don't know. That's not concrete enough either. I mean, whatever. Everybody's doing great. Everybody, you're doing great. Just keep on doing what you're doing, actually. Don't <laughs> Keep plugging, baby. Just keep plugging along. I do have to say it's very... It's very annoying when I people when I see people say like, "Well, what we have to do obviously is organize." It's like fucking what? Your pencils? Like organize what? <laughs> yeah. It's like such a vague verb. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck it means. Yeah, and also I mean, look, I, I I've done a fair bit of organizing, but the way things are laying, man, I couldn't organize a goddamn trip to fucking Taco Bell right now. <laughs> That's well, just a sad reality. We'll keep that in mind next time we uh, are stoned and need a ride. <laughs> um, nah, I mean, the best you can do right now in the short term, I'm not saying that this is political action or that you should invest years into this. Um, but in the short term, it's like I made masks yesterday or the past two days I've been making masks with my girlfriend. And uh, 
for the local hospitals around here, and it's felt pretty good. You know, I mean, there's no like political demands or anything attached to it. It's you know, it's kind of like food not bombs or whatever. Um, but it'll at least tell you, help you take your mind off of things for at least a minute, and uh, you know. But at the same time, I guess you shouldn't lose sight of the fact that Jeff Bezos has gained $24 billion just... In days. <laughs> in days. I mean, you remember when we were all ready to harangue that guy that went all over the place and like was like hoarding shit and selling it for like triple the price on Amazon or whatever? Yeah. Well, that guy deserves to die too, but... but Actually, let me stop short of that. Let's kill that guy first. We'll do Bezos later. <laughs> Well, it's crazy that we've now reached a level of capitalism where there is not a execution or torture method that would be adequate to what that motherfucker deserves. You know what I'm saying? No, no. If you plucked every toenail off of him, if you, you know, fucking cut his eyelids off and kept taking his picture, if you basically used every <laughs> every torture method as laid out by the Wu-Tang Clan... <laughs> It still wouldn't be even in pale in comparison to what he deserves. Exactly. And so I think that in the coming years, Amazon is now, if you need concrete actions, this, okay, maybe this is the thing that draws it back together. If you need concrete actions and you need a concrete enemy, a resolute enemy, it is Jeff Bezos, and not just for abstract reasons, because Amazon is going to emerge from this crisis even more powerful than they already are. Yeah. They are they are like a business organization that I've never seen before. I think that they in many ways they feel unprecedented cuz I don't even know really what the fuck they do. They just move shit around. They're honestly like the fucking Dutch in like the 1600s or something. They just move shit from one place to the other. And look what happened to the fucking Dutch. Am I right? <laughs> the little boy in the, with his finger in the dike didn't, couldn't stop them from couldn't falling apart. Couldn't stop them from falling apart, no. <laughs> but seriously, that is going to be our number one enemy in the coming years. Like, I mean, I mean, they, they control everything. They He's control... making robot dogs, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, smash those fucking drones and robots. Fuck those goddamn things. But but seriously, like uh, they've become so powerful and all encompassing that um, we have to take them down. We sit. We have no other choice but to take them down. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 as simple as it gets. It's as simple as it gets. It's as clear cut as it gets. And Bernie being out does not. You know, we we might have got a little too doomer there for a little bit. I I don't know, but we were we were on a yarn. We were really pursuing an idea. When when you get on a yarn, you just yeah. I think I advocated for about four or five extrajudicial killings there. <laughs> All uh, parody. Now that we're at the end of this, episode. yeah, it's, All a, it's a parody account. Um. But Bernie being out should not take your eyes off the ball that we have one task, and that's to end capitalism before it ends us. <laughs> like That's all there is to it. Yeah. That capitalism is incompatible with the continued existence of human life on this planet. And um, if you think otherwise, you're a scab. <laughs>
That's right. And so, yeah, people say, like, we've grown past the need for Bernie, et cetera. I, thought we, I think we missed a big opportunity there. I don't know when the next one is going to come around, but, <clears throat> um, but more and more people are saying it, folks. Capitalism's bad, and, um, and all you really need to do is get a, you know, a group of a few hundred thousand people to believe that, that very core idea, that very basic idea, and who the fuck knows what we can do with it. I hope that people don't say, run AOC or another Justice Democrat in 2024, because if that's the case... I'm going to try to drown myself in my shallow pond. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> let's try to, uh, you know, I, the thing about electoral strategies, okay, I think, well, that's a whole other yarn for a whole different day, but it's like I think we have to assume some modicum of real power before we go back to that. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think that it's like we said on the last episode, and I still, I still stand by this, I think that the House of Representatives is a realistic goal. I don't think we're, you know, like, of course we're not going to take it. There's no fucking way we can do that. There's how many representatives? 436? 300, <laughs> yeah, something like that. I think it's 435 or 36. Whatever it is. I always know this because Eastern Kentucky is the fucking poorest. Dead last in every single. We're dead last, single. so we're, we're always... It's easy to find us, so just go straight to the bottom. <laughs> and if right. we're not dead last, we're, you know, the one before it. Right. Um... So, but but I think that we can make a uh, pretty good headway there, and maybe in state legislatures. But whatever we do, it doesn't ultimately matter for the purposes of this specific podcast episode and this specific historical moment, because all we really need to do in this moment is to return to the advice of our brother Assad hater, and just you've got to keep the faith that a better world is possible. That a better world, that this world does not have to exist, that markets and and capitalism are not necessary for human life, and that we can build something better. Yeah. And that's all that's sufficient right now. Take with that whatever you will. Go make masks. Go, um, you know, do what Tom's doing. And uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what you're doing, Tom. Uh, but yeah, maybe both. But, but I do miss you, buddy. I haven't seen you physically in, in over a month. It's been rough. Every time you do see me, the camera's off. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea what I look like on the other side of this, and frankly, you don't want to know. <laughs> Sun-kissed stains. God damn. I bet my, I've lived off goddamn canned foods and fucking TV dinners. I bet my blood pressure's through the fucking roof. I have lost a lot of weight, though, so I guess that's... Well, that's good. That's well, good. Strikes and gutters, I suppose. Yeah. Well, um, I hope if you're out there, you're doing whatever you can to keep your mind during all this, because that's really the most important thing. Don't go paranoid and say, like me and Tom. Yeah, don't... don't. Let me... A couple things to avoid. Uh, any website called JesusIsSavior.org... <laughs> Any website called StopLookThink.com. <laughs> Scandemic.com. Scandemic.com. And uh, <laughs> lest you've never been a, a 12-year-old boy, WhiteHouse.com. <laughs> I think I was, what was the first one? Like 
eat, pray, love or something.com. What was it? Oh, st- st- uh, uh, Jesus. stop, look, think.com. And then stop, Jesus, look, Jesus, no. is savior.org. Jesus, is savior.org. <laughs> they had to go with the dot org on that one, huh? Yeah. I don't know how they got that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know how an organization said the new international version of the Bible was written in hell. Got it <laughs> qualified for a dot org, but <laughs> what what branch of Christianity is that that thinks the NIV was transcribed in hell? <laughs> Man, whatever John Hagee's a part of. I mean, look, there's worse jobs to have than transcribing the Bible in hell. Well, imagine if that was your job, and you have to. You have to transcribe it on the back of some sinner. <clears throat> I mean, you're a sinner, so someone's probably tra- probably transcribing it on your back too. Yeah. In like a lava pen. Yeah. If you That's t- what they have in hell. They have lava pens. If you take that job, you better lobby the union for PPE, buddy. <laughs> That's all I gotta say about it. Damn, so true. Agree. I agree with that. All right, let's sign off. I gotta, I gotta smoke this joint before I lose my mind. All right, well, um, let's see. A couple things to plug. Um, first thing, Sunday service. Hopefully, you like the Sunday service. I, I noticed that it doesn't have as quite as many listens as our regular episode. So that means you don't like the bonus content. Well, well guess what, buddy. Uh, you 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 reject the word of the word of truth at your own peril, folks. That's all I gotta say. So, exactly. Um, check out Sunday service. We should have another good one for you this Sunday. Um, Give you a little and, teaser. The message is gonna be called "Gays, Lesbians, and <laughs> Non-Binaries of the Bible." Gays and lesbians for the minors, <laughs> for the Bible. Um, and then on a, another episode on sunday like we've got the content for you it probably doesn't matter because they're probably gonna cut this fucking quarantine off in a goddamn week so it doesn't matter anymore but regardless we've still got the quarantine content for you we've got sunday service and we've got patreon um hopefully we can get tanya some energy some energy (laughs) burn a few coal rocks for her so she can get back on this is the weird thing about podcasting i guess i hadn't really uh forecasted a scenario like this where we're completely out of power and Tanya can't well I have power but that's because I live in town and Tanya lives up on the mountain so well nobody also saw Major League Baseball ending either but here we are <laughs> so folks we're doing the best we can with what we got yeah so um, go check the Patreon out and support us if you want to send Tanya some love I guess she can't really read it because she doesn't have internet access, but maybe when she re-gets back on to the internet, she can have some DMs. I would send out her Venmo, but you know what? I'm Tanya's friend, but I'm not that good a friend with her. I don't have her Venmo memorized. (laughs) (laughs) But go find her Venmo and send her money. I wonder if I could find it. I bet if I looked it up right now on Twitter, I could find it, even though I'm trying to stay off Twitter. That's another concrete action you all can do. Stay off Twitter, huh? Whoa now, buddy. (laughs) Uh, Here's her Venmo. Here's her Venmo. Trill TBT. T-R-I-L-L-T-B-T. Go give her money. You can give me money, too, but I don't have a Venmo to give you. 
Yeah, I'll take some money too if y'all just giving it out the fucking Trump bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my Venmo is at, at Tom Sexton if you're so inclined. See, I can remember it easily. Yeah, shit. All right. Um, well, go support us on either Venmo or Patreon. Doesn't matter. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, also, oh, here's here's a way you can support me. Go to Spotify. Go listen to my band Tenure and help us get some of those listens so that we don't look like nobodies. We are nobodies, but uh, maybe if you want to put the... Re- I mean, Justin Bieber told his fans... Remember when he told his fans to just put his song on repeat for like t- 12 hours? Yeah. Pencil, pencil with- whip him listens, folks. Go to Tenure and just put your shit on repeat for 12 hours so we can get some listens. <laughs> and also 37 cents this year for those listens. <laughs> yeah, I did the math. Well, I think that you get paid like point zero zero three eight cents per stream on Spotify. It's pretty bleak, but you know, if you get like a million streams, that's like seventy thousand dollars. That's pretty good money. That's we good need money. a million streams. Um, all right. So yeah, that's tenure. T e n u r e, like that shit you get at university. Uh, on Spotify, Tom. Anything you want to plug? Oh, God, what have I got going on? Uh, I don't know. Venmo me money at Tom Sexton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get into the shameless begging racket. Oh, shit, dude. Before I let you go, I've got to read you this sign from these protesters at the protesting in Frankfurt today. E- everyone is essential. How about you social distance from my constitutional rights? <laughs> And it's just proof that they're just so bad at comedy. Because the joke look- there is social distance away from my nuts or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Um, people willing to give up liberty for temporary safety deserve neither. <laughs> oh, I'm, glad, hey, I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> These people aren't in any way practicing social distance. This, we're going down in flames, man. <laughs> Rain in the governor, unbridled Kentucky. <clears throat> are these Matt Bevin's paid thugs? <laughs> are these are these the bell the bell boys? Dude, they're so fucking dumb. Okay, well, go with God. Try right. to avoid the MAGA protesters. If you see an F thirty five, an F three fifty barreling down your road, hide. <laughs> yes. Um. All right. Well, we'll see you soon. We'll see you on the Patreon. We'll see you in church on Sunday. Yeah. All right. Peace.